You are listening to Just Press Foreplay Podcast. My name is Susie. I'm Patrick. You might not remember us. It has been a while. (laughs) We keep promising episodes and then we keep uh, falling behind on our bills. And so we haven't paid for Adobe. So if you want to support the show, you can do so on our website. We have a couple tabs that you can do that. Keep the show around. Help us make more frequent episodes. Um, But for now, you get us when you have us. We have a couple days left of Adobe. So we're going to try and squeeze this episode in before they boot me off of there. But this week, we wanted to talk about the seven deadly sins. And we wanted to relate that to relationships, relate that to how we connect with people. And I think the most important thing to keep in mind with this topic is that there is no good and bad. So when you're thinking of the seven deadly sins, it's not something to weigh shame on you. And it's not something to be like, oh, you're doing this wrong. This is not okay. This is a sin. It's more of something to like bring awareness. So that way you can be like, oh, this is a dark aspect of how I'm behaving. How can I leverage it to be the right yeah Yeah. exactly exactly cool so before we get started with that a little update on us yeah want to let everyone know how you're feeling how you're doing that's how i'm feeling (laughs) we're surviving (laughs) uh uh yeah fighting with family paying bills but the dogs are happy so that's you know that's the most important part. that's the most important part we're happy the dogs are happy we have a roof over our heads bus is still in storage Yep. State of the world is in fucking shambles and we're just ready for the big scare event so we can wake up all the normies. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody ordered aliens. I think we ordered aliens a long time ago. Has anyone seen that? Are we skipping over that? Are we pretending we're not waiting for that? Are they still in the Hollywood basement? (laughs) (laughs) Shit. So to start off the topic for love, lust, for all the seven deadly sins. I think it's really important that we first define what each of these things are by definition. Because even when you and I were kind of just doing some research on this, there were a couple definitions where we were like, oh shit, that's really what the definition yeah. is. Um, so let's start with lust. I think that's going to be a really good spot to start. So lust is a psychological force producing intense desire for something or circumstance while already having a significant amount of the desired object. Lust can take any form, such as the lust for sexuality, money, or power. It can take such mundane form as the lust for food, see gluttony. As distinct from the need for food or lust for redolence. When one is lusting for a particular smell, that brings back memories. It is similar to, but distinguished from passion. In that passion propels individuals to achieve benevolent goals, whilst lust does not. Oh, I see. So it's kind of saying like passion has the action behind where lust is kind of just like a... Emotionally driven... Reaction almost. Reaction, yeah. Okay, cool. So for lust, I picked two stories because I found that through both of these, it kind of hit the different aspects of how you can view lust. So I want to start the first one with something a little bit more on the like uh, having resentment towards lust. So... Unfortunately, the stories that I picked were really, really good, but the users deleted them. So I can't read the full story, but 
I had read them a couple times before uh, picking them, so I have the gist of them still in my mind. So I'll read the header of this one. It says, my boyfriend is attracted to extremely large breasts, of which I do not have. When I asked him about it, he said, I fell into the love category, but not lust due to my breasts being average size. Is it worthy continuing the relationship? So I love this because I feel like this is a very common thing where uh, women will kind of be like, oh, well, you're this is the kind of porn that you watch, but that's not who I am. So why would you watch that porn if that's not who I am? And so it creates this like a insecurity bubble to where they're like, well, why aren't you watching porn of women who look just like me? And it's funny because um, like, I think what he was trying to say in you fall in the, in the love category and not the lust category is like, I see a future with you and I see and value you for more things than just the physical. Just your tits. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Where something that's lusty is just that it's, it's an emotionally physical driven. Attraction. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, it's like, there's no depth to it. Yeah. And so I think it's really important because I think a lot of people go through this where they have these little bits of insecurity, like you're a tits guy and I don't have huge tits, but I don't necessarily get upset if I see you stare at a pair of tits that walk by real quick. If I'm in the middle of a sentence and you just blatantly ignore me and stare at the tits, then that's a fucking issue. But if we're both staring at the tits, then we're both staring at the tits. And that's just that. Like it's, it's a lusty moment, but it's not something to like have way over you, like as if it's anything to take away from you exactly unless unless he's like actually going out and pursuing these women because of it and Mm -hmm. like acting on the lust then it becomes a problem yeah but in in her story she was mostly just stating that it is just in porn so it's not like he's flirting with women in front of her or anything like that it's just the type of porn that he watches yeah but she's letting it almost hold a bag over their relationship and like creating a problem out of something that didn't need to be a problem well, I mean, if she's insecure about her physical, her tits, then I could definitely see that escalating and like becoming a problem. But that that turns into self-love where she needs to get comfortable with herself. Yeah. And in her story, she was saying that it wasn't something that created insecurity until he told her specifically your love and she's lust. Because then you start to create the division in your mind of like, well, why aren't you in lust with me then? Why can't you be in love and in lust with me? Right. You know? But yeah, so for situations like this, I think it's really important to uh, to know that like the type of porn that your partner watched is no reflection of you. And there's also the debate that floats around of like, if someone watches that type of porn, does that mean that that's what they're into? And it goes along the same lines. Like you can watch something and not necessarily want to physically pursue that. And that's okay. That's part of like sexual interests and just being able to look Exactly. On porn and not necessarily have to dive in. Well, as part of being a man, no man, well, I can't say no man because I don't know every man out there, but I feel like for the most part that, oh, I lost my train of thought. It's okay. We can pause for a second. No, it's okay. It won't come back. Let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it goes for, for all individuals. Like I watch, I watch lesbian porn. I'm not a lesbian, but that's the porn that I gravitate to. It doesn't necessarily mean that that's something that I'm missing in my life. I'm not. It's just for that state of masturbation. That's what I enjoy for that moment. Right. But it, it's separate. I don't bring that into like our relationship or like, you I mean, know. If you want to. Well, yeah. <laughs> a time I won't list. complain. Yeah, no. You just can't pick. Yeah, for real. <laughs> it just causes drama. <laughs> 
Sorry, guys. I have like a bacterial infection in my trachea or some shit. It's okay. I'll delete your coughs. So they won't hear them. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's like every time I laugh. <laughs> so to counter this topic on lust, I found another story that was a really great example of a woman taking her man's fantasy and then implementing that in the bedroom to benefit them. La la. Yeah. So she noticed that he has a porn star that he goes to. So instead of having a category he goes to, he has one specific porn mm. star that he goes to. Interesting. Okay. So instead of creating a story in her head of I'm not that person. I don't look like that. I don't act like that. So why do you, why are you with me? Instead, she turned it into, I'm going to have a really fucking fun night. And so they, I don't know what they're doing to bring it about, but she spon- spontaneously said, who's your favorite porn star? Even though she already knew, had him tell her they watched a couple videos together. And then she surprised him and was like, I want you to fuck me like I'm her. And so she dressed up like her, like, you know, Interesting. Do it up yeah. so that way you can just role play for a minute and just dive into the character. And she said that he like was just it was sex they had never had before. Like just completely Wild. got to just dive into a whole different yeah. realm of of like his primal desires and her holding space for that oh, and yeah. just being able to be there and experience that, which I thought was really fucking cool because it's like you didn't let insecurities weigh on the relationship instead you exploited them yeah exactly <laughs> exploited them for the benefit of both and of the fucking best part about it is the rest of his life even if he's not with her anymore he'll always remember if he that. ever watches porn of his favorite porn star he is gonna remember the moment that she allowed that for him and with i think that's script. fucking awesome that's exactly epic, yeah. exactly so like if you can find in yourself and just like find that peace with like the someone's with you because they love other things about you that are not just your physical Right. And as soon as you can just have ease with that and stop letting these small things like weigh on you, your sexual life is going to be so much better. <laughs> so much fucking better. Because it's it's hard to just get caught in insecurities. It's, it's, it's hard to like not let those words weigh on you, especially if someone's like, oh, big tits. Oh, well, you're just love. You're not lust. You know, it's. It, I could see that have like at the beginning of our relationship, if we'd had that conversation, it putting like a little bit of strain on a relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Because if, if uh, the love wasn't like fully developed and fully there and then you start questioning things. Yeah, yeah. And if you can't have an open conversation about it either, you know, then it just gets worse and worse. And then like it would it, it would lead to moments of us being out and like it'd be easy to create stories of thinking that you're lusting over everyone around when really what I'm doing is putting a bubble around myself, secluding myself from you. And I'm actually the one cutting off that connection. And you probably have no idea what's going on. No, I'd be oblivious to it. Yeah. And you'd be like, is she mad? What's why is she being so distant? And cold? Can, do you want to go home? What do you need? <laughs> what do you need? <laughs> Time out. I got to put dinner now. Okay. It's stinky. All right. So the next one that I want to talk about is sloth. And the definition of this one is spiritual apathy or inactivity. And so I think that's kind of just being like emotionally dormant. Interesting. I like that take on it because because as soon as I hear spiritually inept or not inept, but like closed off, I could I could see that as sloth because my original interpretation of sloth is someone who's just lazy. Right. So to hear it in to hear it like put back onto spirituality is quite an interesting take. Yeah, because you can be a, a person who's like physically lazy, but emotionally very present and very, you know, and so that I think I, I, I take it more as being emotionally lazy. Yeah. Okay, so for this story, I wanted to bring in something a little bit more on the BDSM realm. 
and um, just kind of like a, a precautionary because a lot of people who get into the kink um, community at the very beginning, you get excited and you almost let people groom you because they tell you like, oh, I'm a, I'm a dom and blah, blah, blah. And like, if you're new to the community, you don't catch those red flags right away. And you're kind of just excited to get started and experience something. And so you put yourself into really scary situations. And it's important to just like, take note of those red flags right away. If someone's being emotionally slothy with you, it's a huge red flag and it's going to create trauma um, later on down the road or in the moment. And you're not emotionally connected enough with that person for them to be present and aware to not cause that trauma to you. Exactly. So this one's called dealing with a possibly abusive Dom. So she's 20 and the guy that she met is mid thirties. He seems like a great communicator, very intelligent, good conversation. He introduced himself as a Dom daddy and wants to meet up for context. He has claims to have two other subs, one older than me and one younger than me. First yellow flag. First of all, if you're meeting someone for the first time in King community, if you have yellow flags, like, please, please, please take that extra time. It fucking matters. It fucking matters so much. Very much. People in the kink community, as, as great as the consent conversation goes around, there are still very evil entities within it as well. So you have to protect yourself. So first yellow flag is that he wants to meet in a parking lot for sex instead of at my place. Ew, it's not fucking high school, bro. I know, but that's kind of like, that's the thing though, is sometimes you get into a state of like, I want to experience something raunchy. I want to experience something different. And if you're not getting anyone else who's offering that to you, and you're in a state of desperation, you overlook these yellow flags. Yeah, I guess the important thing is to remind people like, slow the fuck down. It's okay to want that raunchy stuff, but build a connection first so that you can do it right. Yeah, and so that way the experience will be worth it. Otherwise, you're wasting your time because you're not gonna be- And putting yourself in danger. You're gonna be disappointed and putting yourself in danger, yeah. So she says, I have no roommates, so this isn't the issue. First red flag is he brings up a past significant other during the scene. When I firmly said to stop talking about it, he continued. He then tried to push boundaries with things I said are off limits until I know someone well enough to try them. So like, it's unfortunate because she did everything she was supposed to to communicate properly and he still just push the communication boundaries, but it was their first time meeting. Yep. Throat punch and walk away. Yup. <laughs> <laughs> I said no. <laughs> the whole experience put me in a really bad place for days. I waited until I'm feeling better to talk it over with him. He was apathetic, but then says, and this is a second red flag to me. I thought you were letting me do all these things because you really liked me. I explained that I don't know him enough to really like him. It's just sex kink at the moment, but he put me in a bad place. He says, we'll take it slower in the future. I was just trying to replace your bad memory with good ones of me. I then had to explain that's not how significant other works. Joke. Yeah. Uh, finally, with no other efforts to do better or have better before and after care plans in place, he says, I want you to meet me in the parking lot again. Do I block him and move on because he's creepy or am I overreacting? I'm looking for any and all constructive feedback here. So me immediately, my mind was like, this is absolutely abuse. And the other women who he's with, it sounds like don't have boundaries. And that's why he thinks it's okay to just add another woman into the mix and continue to behave this way. Or they've never communicated their boundaries to him because they're maybe scared of him. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. it sounds like he's kind of just having this like 
gaslighting demeanor of how he communicates. And he's just saying like, oh, well, that's a huge red flag. If anyone, if you try to address something in which your emotions were affected and it brought you down, if they immediately come back with you, back to you with something that's like, oh, but I thought that you liked me. Oh, but I thought that blah, 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 blah. It's gaslighting. They're not trying to understand where you're coming from and they're not trying to understand how they actually hurt you. They're just trying to get you to kind of still do what they want you to do. It's manipulation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's very much manipulation. And it's hard because she sounds like she kind of put and wanted to communicate those boundaries and did her best efforts to, and he still just blatantly ignored them. Yeah, fuck him. Mm-hmm. Absolute Chad. Sloth. <laughs> Spiritual sloth. <laughs> and not the cute ones that crawl across the road. Dude, <laughs> if stupid. I if I had to deal with this guy, I would be like, yeah, let's meet in the parking lot. And I would fucking handcuff him, just spread the fuck out in his own car and fucking leave him fuck there. Fuck that on his hood. <laughs> <laughs> Be great. <laughs> Time to the top of his car like God, a Christmas that, tree. <laughs> or you have a friend like me who would just show up with a fucking rifle to the back of his head and be like, you want to fucking play games? Stop it. <laughs> you harass another fucking woman, I will find you and hunt you. Stop it. <laughs> yeah, and especially if someone's communicating, because you don't know people's past traumas, and if it's also dealing with like bringing in another person's uh because he was talking about his other his other significant other so it's like it's almost like he's trying to create this like jealousy ness yeah so that way there's like competition or whatever like i don't know it's god complex yeah 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 it's it's really gross to me but i wanted to bring this story up because i feel like a lot of women put themselves whoa grumpy husky spooked me buddy i just wanted to pet you and i won't say women i feel like a lot of people put themselves in questionable situations absolutely for kink and because i imagine the gay community has similar aspects of this happening to them absolutely as well. it's not just absolutely women. because they don't talk about um you know and especially with the gay community because not everyone's super uh community communi- communicative i feel like you have a very extreme spectrum in the gay community mm-hmm. of either over communication or no communication and there's not mm-hmm. really a whole lot of balance in the middle yeah but i'm completely out of tune with that community so don't take my word on it well, I served a lot of the community, so like being in downtown Seattle, like y- you you get to talk to a lot of people and hear yeah. a lot of stuff. But yeah, a lot of people are are you know sometimes you're sometimes especially because kink's not something that's super talked about in a lot of areas, and so sometimes it's seen as like what you do, what you want, what, and then so it's like automatic judgment, and so a lot yeah. of people are just afraid to communicate, and and that just creates so many situations where you're going to put yourself in danger. Exactly. Okay. So the next one is greed. I have two stories for this one as well. Do you want to read the first one? Okay. How to know what the limit is when wanting to try new things. Seeking advice. Not suitable for work. I've been thinking a lot about this after seeing some comments on it. Let's say that you want to try something new and your partner says no at first. Then you talk a little about it, but your partner isn't fully on board. Then little by little, you start to try it during sex and your partner starts to accept some of it but says no to part of it. Then, sometime in the future, you try again. Maybe mention it and try again, and this time your partner actually gets into it, so you do it. Have you pushed their limit or helped them enjoy sex even more? Ooh, that's a good question. My wife grew up learning that women can't masturbate. Can't or shouldn't? Sorry. My wife grew up learning that women can't masturbate. Having a dick down there is one thing, but a hand? Absolutely not, apparently. What's weird is that it is okay for me as a man to masturbate, it's even expected 
which my wife doesn't have a problem with. <laughs> Double standards of some cultures. <laughs> Getting to touch her and make her come in that way and most of all see her masturbate has always been a turn on. Of course, I was turned down the first years. I can't remember, but we did talk a little about it, but not as much. I did try sometimes to put my hands over her clothes there, but she usually said no. Then one day during foreplay, I let my hands slide down there and this time she let me rub her a little over her clothes. But when I wanted to get under her clothes, it was a no. And that's how it's been for a couple years. At times, she let me touch her down there, but not for long. Some months ago during foreplay, she let me fully rub her down there while she jerked me off. It was such a beautiful moment and it lasted very long and afterwards we had some really good sex. We didn't talk much about it and I've been careful about touching down there again afterwards. The other day I tried again over their clothes and she let me. My question is, have I helped her enjoy sex or have I pushed her limit in a negative way? I honestly hadn't thought that I may have coerced her to do something she doesn't want. I guess that I thought that I was helping her to really enjoy sex, but I can have been wrong. I worry because I want to start eating her ass and do more anal play. It's been almost the same process with that. First no, then little by little she has started to let me touch her asshole every now and then. So I wonder if I should totally stop or is it okay as long as she enjoys it? I sound like a horrible person and maybe I am. I can have let my horniness to try new things have led me to treat her bad, which I don't want. I, you know, that's a very situation by situation based. I feel like the way he's handled it is very, very well. The fact that it's been over a couple years and it's been very much, hey, are you okay with this? Hey, are you okay with this? Hey, are you okay with this? The anal stuff you got to be a little bit more careful with because you can actually hurt someone mm -hmm. with that. That's my take on it. Yeah. I want to read the definition of greed real quick and then I'll give mine. So greed is an uncontrolled longing for increase in the acquisition or use of material gain or social value such as status and power. Greed has been identified as undesirable throughout known human history because it creates behavior conflict between personal and social goals. So the reason why I wanted to add this one into greed is because um, the only thing that I notice is that he's not having this conversation outside of the sexual moment. That's fair. He keeps bringing up that he's talking about it in the During moments the moment. of sex. Right. Yeah. And um, as I was reading the comments, I kind of got the impression that um, it's a little bit uh, like a Middle Eastern culture. And it's true, like women, yeah. there's some women who are clit circumcised. And so they don't actually have feeling there because they're sliced at birth. And I don't think that a lot of men understand that. I don't know that that's the situation for this. I'm just saying that that's also something to think about. Yeah. Um, and I also think that's, I could be completely off, but I also think that's why part of that culture talks about women not masturbating. It's because that has been taken away from them. Absolutely. Um, but I think for situations like this, it's so important to have the conversation outside the bedroom if you're not sure. Because you're showing your partner that that this matters not just in the moment and how they feel about it. They, they're in a different state of mind when you're able to actually have a face-to-face -face conversation. Right. I feel like it could have also been handled better if he encouraged her to do it by herself and try by herself without him there instead of every oh, time. Oh, like him not being home at all. Like yeah. her just genuinely getting comfortable. Exactly. Like how we watch Too Hot to Handle and mm. they're like, okay, take your panties off. Look at your own pussies. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. something like that. What would you say to your pussy? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like encouraging her to get comfortable with herself and goes back to that self-love part. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I do agree. Culture is such an important impactful part of it mm -hmm. that definitely discourages it a lot of places around the world mm -hmm. and i think that's why he's coming in with the conflict of like have i pushed her too far is she enjoying it and i think that's also something she's probably trying to figure out is do i enjoy this am i allowed to enjoy this and if i choose 
to not enjoy this and say no is he gonna try and go somewhere else to get it am i no longer gonna be enough right. if i'm not sometimes accepting this yep. and that's why it's so important to talk about it outside the bedroom exactly and 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 maybe it doesn't really totally fit into greed but i feel like some aspects of it do it, it's teetering on that line because when i first read it i definitely didn't hear or think greed, greed mm-hmm. but it it sets a tone of of kind of being in the middle where if this had been taken to another extreme it definitely would have been greedy mm-hmm. yeah well i i think the fact that you're not willing to bring up the conversation outside the bedroom is what has the greed in it. Yeah. Because it's tunnel vision in the moment. Like It's a very emotional response. Yeah. I'm horny and I want to do this, so let's talk about it now because I'm horny now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it, who knows? Maybe she's dealing with something that's completely that you wouldn't even expect that is the barrier between that. Exactly. You know? And I think also a lot of time, too, is uh, like different styles of foreplay. Maybe you're not giving her any type of physical um, caressing other than there. And if you're not caressing her other than there, then there's also going to be that feeling in her where she's like, well, I have a whole body, yeah. not just a clitoris. Like there's literally a whole <laughs> physical body for you to touch. Like, the skin is the largest organ on the body. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's everywhere. Okay. And then this other one is full greed, full, full, dirty Chad greed. You're going to laugh at this one. <gasps> he deleted it. No. Okay, I'll just uh. read you the title. He's he is uh I think he's 39. So the the title was Sadistic Dominant Seeks Emotionally Damaged Submissive for Toxic Relationship. So in his <laughs> description, he basically was saying, I know this is wrong, but this is what I want, and I know that she's out there. I know my emotionally damaged babe is out there who will let me do whatever I want to her, let me degrade her, let me just use her. I know she's out there and I know she wants me, so here I am, come to daddy. I got a nine millimeter round with your face's name on it. (laughs) Fucking asswipe. Oh, so yeah, I thought that. I don't don't promote violence in any way. I apologize. (laughs) (laughs) We talk about it so that way we don't act on it. Yes. Yes. (laughs) This is a safe space. Unless you're a pedophile, then maybe that's a little different. Yeah, sorry, I don't, I don't have able to help myself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dude, isn't it so sad that our prison system has done more to eliminate pedophiles than our court system? Absolutely. You mean pedophiles get killed in prison? All of them. Also, don't mention pedophilia on the Catholicism Reddit. You'll get banned. I got banned from the Catholicism subreddit because I asked them if they defended pedos. No, it was because, um, so they said, what is one sin that is not forgivable? And we said pedophilia. It's not forgivable. You're taking energy from someone who is completely unaware of what you're doing to them. It's not forgivable. You got shunned. Not just shunned, completely banned. (laughs) The fuck? Well, we knew the root of Catholicism is just pure evil. Yeah. Bunch of pedos. I mean, it makes sense. If you look at all the cardinals and popes that have raped children mm-hmm. since, I don't know, zero AD, since yeah. the beginning of fucking time. I don't know if you guys know this, but back in history, you can actually trace back how many children have been sacrificed because they used to just leave them on the side of the road. It's fucking sad. It's disgusting. And it's all from Catholicism. Yeah. And we we talked a little bit about it too, like uh, in our Foreign and Domestic Affairs of the Mind episode last year in January, uh, when we we're talking about Knights of Templar and yep, them sacrificing exactly. children and like 
actually blaming the witches for being the ones when that wasn't the case. Kind of like what's happening in Ukraine right now. No, I can't remember. Oh, sorry. Oh, I wasn't supposed to say that. So anyway, Nazi greed. <laughs> um, I also wanted to bring up this story. I w- I really wish I could have read you guys the list of his nasty shit that he wanted oh, from so these women. I'm so sad he deleted it. I know, I know. I need to start copying the, the whole text Screenshot. and not just saving the link. Yeah. <laughs> But um, the reason I also wanted to bring this up is because if you're a man who's behaving in this mentality where you're like, no, I can just just bring me my my toxic relationship. You're trying to avoid you're trying to avoid where where like in a lot of ways, I feel like you don't love yourself. And that's why you want someone so damaged, because if someone is damaged, they don't love themselves either. And so neither of you are forced to look at one another for the things that you want to improve on. And you can just keep behaving in your greedy little ways and let it be. Please go seek a men's retreat and heal yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Please go seek some kind of therapy. It doesn't have to be a shrink, but find a group of men who can help you work through that problem. Because I'll tell you something else, too. You can be a sadistic dom and have... A woman who is excited to play your emotionally damaged submissive, but that doesn't mean she has to be emotionally damaged as exactly how you see her as a whole. Exactly. It's a scene. It's, it's a role that she can play for you. Exactly. Exactly. And that would be a lot more fulfilling because then you're also not just trying to like pick these Barbies, fuck them and toss them out. Yeah. And then you get proper aftercare after and you're going to be way happier. Yeah. Yeah, that's the other thing. Like, if you're a sadistic dom who wants an emotionally damaged submissive, I highly doubt you're giving before care or after care. So you're a greedy motherfucker. And so I had to call you out, Chad. I'm sorry. All right. Should we do wrath, Uh, envy, or... I didn't get a story for gluttony because I feel like... I guess the last story could fit for gluttony, but gluttony is kind of an obvious... Let's let's do gluttony just because I don't think it's a good one to end on. I think envy is a good one to end on. Okay. I didn't pick a story for gluttony, but I will still read the definition. Gluttony means overindulgence or overconsumption of. Chad in our last story is perfect for gluttony. Yeah. If you guys don't understand gluttony, uh, reach out to us personally. We'll help you. (laughs) 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 All right. So let's do envy next. What, what are the last two that we have? Envy and what? And wrath. Okay, we can finish on wrath. So for envy. Envy is an emotion which occurs when a person lacks another's superior quality, achievement, or possession, and either desires it or wishes that the other lacked it. Aristotle defined envy as pain at the sight of another's good fortune, stirred by those who have what we ought to have. This might trigger some people. Hatred towards men is keeping my wife from getting a job and is driving me out of love for her. My wife claims she was just for equal opportunities and rights for women for most of our relationship. Even up to the start of our marriage, she never had resentment against others for where she is in life. Over the last five months, she's been looking for a new job due to her current position being contracted out until the end of this year. I noticed when I hear her talk to a male recruiter's colleagues at this point that she was incredibly rude and entitled with how she came across. Since then, she's been blaming all men for her issues in her life despite me hearing slash seeing most of what is being requested. So far, there has been zero negativity on their part and nothing at all to suggest they wronged her. A couple of months ago, she had an argument with me stating I should feel lucky about where I am in life, as if she never seen me work late and hard for what I've done. As soon as I responded in the manner of, if it were true, then I'd still be much better off than you. Admittedly, it was a childish thing to say, but I also feel a sense of entitlement to everyday things that fed into me coming out with that statement. Paying 90% of bills at home, sacrificing decent lunches, not buying anything for myself of value for the past two years, etc. has made me feel like I'm caring for a teenager rather than living my life with my partner. 
Fast forward to Christmas time. Family gatherings and talks about how men are taking her position at work. Most of my family are doctors and nurses of both genders and are extremely confused about where she is going with the claims. She has a weird sarcastic spat with my brother and now she said she refuses to talk to my family. I have throughout this time leaned on a close friend of mine for 10 years. She has comforted me, checked in on me during the holidays and after every argument. She remembered every conversation we had from the decade of knowing each other. She's honestly made me feel whole again after leaning on her. I'd like to think I did the same with her issues and we've honestly grown on our support for each other. What's made it significantly more confusing is that the feelings I've had for my wife have been drained away with my friend in the picture. Friend and I have discussed how we felt about each other and promised nothing can happen if I'm still married. With this, if she moves on, then I can only be happy for her. I've booked us in for marriage counseling, but I feel like the marriage is circling down the drain. If my wife really doesn't want to change how she is around myself and others, then we'll have to call it quits on the thing. I'm doing it as a show of respect to our families at this point, I feel. I'll happily do what it takes to accommodate it and change where I need to. That being said, a part of me sees my close friend and the closeness and chemistry we've always had as finally coming out. I'll try my best, but I won't lie. I would love for the marriage to end. So I picked this one for Envy because I feel like... (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's so much in our world the last decade, but we see it more now. There's so much in our world that dictates to us how we should be perceiving our exterior world. So when I when we did the episode with Bobby Badoshka on sexual intelligence, she brought up the amazing fact that when she goes into a boardroom, be it all men, be it a mix of men and women, she does not have she doesn't walk in with the energy of these men aren't going to listen to me because I'm a woman. These men aren't going to re- respect my opinion because I'm a woman. That is not a thought in her mind. She knows that she's walking in there as a business asset, talking to other business assets. And when you have that mentality in your workspace, that's the energy you bring. That's the energy that's around you. Um, If you choose to be someone who is, for example, we had a friend who was working somewhere and she was getting paid significantly less than other people who were getting paid. But the thing is, you don't know their history, where they came from, or why they're getting paid that much. So for you to speculate, I'm getting paid less because I'm a woman. Have you gone in and asked for a raise? Have you put forth the effort to show that you deserve a raise and then go ask for the raise? Um, Are you vocal about the value that you bring to the business? If you approach a situation and you're like, well, so-and-so gets paid more than me, I feel like you're being unfair. No business owner is going to say, you know what? You're right. Let me gift you more money because I love how you handle that situation. And I think this is a huge problem in society, not just with gender, but with race as well, with um, everyone nowadays wanting to hire for diversity instead of actually looking at the qualifications of people. Mm-hmm. We just listened to the podcast, the other podcast. Um, Failure to Stop Failure with to uh, stop. Eric. Yeah. Yeah. And they were talking about North Carolina, how they're just hiring black people, but then they're turning around and being horrible cops, like selling cocaine out of their cop car on duty. And it's like, okay, let's take a step back and realize that we need to hire people based off of their qualifications Mm -hmm. and not their color or gender. There was a very specific statement that was made for that situation. The, the guy who was training the cops, if you guys want to go listen to this episode, failure to stop. Um, and it's called, uh, politicians are poisoning our police. And, um, the statement was, no black officer will fail my class. He made that statement. And then so that put 
in this young gentleman's mind that he could do whatever the fuck he wants yep. because he's going to pass the academy because he is there for the diversity. And because he checks the box, they will push him through. So he's literally selling cocaine out of his fucking on duty. Out of his cruiser. Because he's not going to fail the position because there is no, you know, they're, they're going to push him all through. And it's like, we can't keep operating from this mentality of someone else is blah, blah, blah. Some other exterior force is the reason that blah, blah, blah. You have to make sure that you're showing up with what it is that you want to offer and how it is that you want to lead your situation. And then if you're not qualified for it and someone else gets the job, be fucking happy for them. Yes. Be happy that someone's in the position who is qualified to do that job. Don't sit there and be like, ah, oh, it should have been me. They made a wrong decision. Yeah, no. because guess what? What if they saved a different position for you? It just wasn't open yet. You don't know what's going to happen down the road. And if you're always showing up and hitting your bar and doing what you need to do, not complaining, not letting people walk all over you, but still, you know. Exactly. Then that's when the energy starts to bring things forward. I think that... All of this, and this is why I kind of have a big issue with a lot of like the feminist groups and stuff. And it's like an Amber Heard syndrome of like, I'm a feminist. I'm a woman in power. I can do what I want because I will be respected because no one's going to believe this other story because I've got the money and the power. And so this is what I'm saying is going to happen. Or shit. Yeah. Um, but I think that this is happening a lot. I hear so many women just have that automatic tone of degrading men and, oh, you're just in this position for blah, blah, blah. Like, we can't keep operating like that. We're humans. We're all working towards what it is that we want to work towards. And so before you start throwing out those envious statements, you have to ask yourself, am I putting forth everything that I can to get back what I want to get back? And then if that's not the case, then adjust what's happening. Exactly. Self-evaluate, reevaluate. Yeah. Take a step back. Yeah. But this is happening too much. There's too much down talking on, on men not deserving the positions they're in of all of this stuff. And to be honest, in, in my, in my experience with everywhere I've ever worked, the people who are the cattiest are always the women. So how can you expect to be promoted and move forward if you're always bringing forward the drama? If you're just sitting and gossiping. Yeah. yeah. And if your focus is always on who's got something better that you don't and how it's not fair, no one wants that in their environment. No one does. It, it doesn't. It's toxic. Bring, it's very toxic. Yeah. Um, so this isn't hating on women. This isn't hating on men. It's to bring forward the awareness that like if you're hating on anyone, there's something in you that is a void that you're you're seeing something that's lacking in yourself. And instead of trying to fix it and fill that gap, you're just wanting to shit on other people and point fingers. You're yeah. the reason you're the reason you're the fucking reason. Okay, now let's do wrath. So the definition of wrath forceful often vindictive anger, uh, synonym, anger, punishment, or vengeance as a manifestation of anger, fierce anger, rage. This one's a really long one. Actually, let me make sure it's here first. <laughs> oh shit, I forgot the one on pride. Oh, we did forget pride. Yeah. Okay, we can do pride last. We will do pride last, yeah. That one's gonna be the biggest trigger one, and I'm sorry, but I also think it's very important to talk about. Okay, so this one, I was a little hesitant to read because it's a, so he titled it Letter to Narcissistic Post-Divorce. It's a little long, but the things, the points that he made in this, I think hit home in too many relationships, in every relationship. 
And it's, it's one of those things where like, if you can catch these signs early on, you can probably prevent the divorce. You can probably prevent all the resentment that comes because the thing is, is once you get to the point where you're ready to divorce someone, you've had months, you've had years, you've had so much time in this person's energy to where you guys are trying to sift what the fucking issue is, but you both kind of have to be on the same page. And if one person is through the the eyes of rage and you can't figure out how to make them feel safe to open up, divorce is inevitable. Yep. Brace yourself. I'm sure this is going to make some people cry because some things in this are like, whoa. Okay, so life after you has been extremely enlightening. My memory of you is full of confusing thoughts. You seem so caring and generous and thoughtful. You even used to say sorry to the wall for accidentally bumping into it. You were such a good actor. Did little, little did I know it was all a show, an act, so convincing. But I realized it was a mask. That wasn't the real you. You were just showing me what I wanted to see so that you could trap me. You turned out to be a very selfish person, not even caring about all the pain you continue to cause around you. Your voice changed and you were always upset over something. Angry looks, screw faces, and guilt trips. That was your way of controlling me. Controlling who I take sides with, controlling what I wear, controlling what I eat, controlling what I buy, how I talk, controlling even how I feel. You controlled every single aspect of my life. I was caught up in your story that seemed unresolved and not resolvable. You even went to therapy. I wonder what you really said in those sessions. All I know is your narrative was a lie. Everything. All your relationships will continue to be fake, short-term and full of drama. Most people near you keep their distance from you. And if you let them in a little close, then you become the victim of this imagined disrespect, insensitivity, passive-aggressive, laziness, manipulation, disloyal, abusive, and ungratefulness. Because you know that is what describes you. Those who stay close to you out of a need or guilt will have their energy and self-esteem ruined thanks to your selfishness and the randomness of your drama. I still remember the, the misery you carried on your face about your past. I cannot imagine the thoughts that go through your mind daily. I don't even envy your existence. You project all those lies onto me. I could never understand the cause and effect of your interaction with others. So you end up blaming the world for your negative emotions instead of taking any responsibility for your ideology, creating a vicious cycle of self-deception. This is why you are so empty. Being with you, I was so emotionally shut down like you always were. Now I am back in my body and spirit. 43 days away and at the age of 43 is all it took for me to recover from 21 years of being with you. 43 is my new favorite number. I see you as a small, insignificant nothing. You have no value in my heart. Everything you project on me, I return to you. You didn't fool me. I think you know that. I know how much you hate to lose. You are not the person I thought you were and loved. It was all an act. And when you let your mask slip, it came off and you showed your true colors. I miss who I thought you were, but I like so much more who I am without you. And what will you do after reading this? Nothing. You won't even show it to anyone because you fear so much that others, that others might find out too who you really are. You will just laugh it off or reread it to find loopholes, excuses, and parts where you can shift the blame while conveniently ignoring all the parts which you already know deep down are completely true, and that's what you always did. 
You are very predictable. You feel so deeply for yourself, but are unable to feel anything for others unless you pretend that they are you. You can only see yourself when looking at other people. It was so obvious when you would buy gifts for others that only you would like. It was never possible for you to put yourself completely in someone else's shoes. You've never thought for 21 years what it would be like living with you. If you had, then you would have showed compassion. If you feel angry at yourself, then you harm the people around you more because they are always the ones to blame. I'm still figuring you out, unmasking you, but what I do know is that you are evil. You will lie, fabricate evidence and stories to take the kids away from me. You will try to get me arrested. You will not feel anything. You will justify it somehow in your very sick mind. Why? Because I am the first to see through your mask, to walk away. It's not even for the kids' sake. I know you don't even love the kids. You are not even capable of love. Love is a foreign word to you. You only love yourself. When you look at the kids, you only see them as an extension of yourself. You cannot see them as the individuals they are. When you look into their eyes, you see yourself in their body, and then you falsely accuse them of something when it is only you who is actually doing it. Even though they are just innocent kids and should not be blamed for who you are, as a result, they are already broken. Neither can you see it and neither do you care. Their stress, loneliness, anxieties, and phantom pains are all because of you. With your mask on, you pretend that you care and are helping them. But the voice inside knows that the only way they can be helped is if they are away from you. You may be wondering if I hate you or miss you. I feel both in the beginning, but now I don't feel anything at all. Nothing at all. How can I? I never knew you. I realize now that the few good memories from you was only because you were pretending to be me. I don't need to miss that because I'm still here with me. Um, and then he goes on to say about how he's prayed over the situation, you know, prayed for guidance before making the decision to get divorced. So he prayed and then he also showed me the truth about you. I can see through all the masks now. One, I know who you are. You never wanted to see what you really were, even though you told me every day with your actions, and you let it slip out on more occasions than you know. Two, the fact that I had to give myself closure says everything. You never gave me closure because there wasn't any for you to give. You wouldn't explain any of your actions because you didn't have a true face to show. You're hollow. You stand on the backs of other people and then stab them in the spot where, where you were standing. You've got no honor or integrity, and worse, you know it and don't care. You're loyal only to yourself. There's a certain peace I get when making other people happy, and you can't feel that. Instead, you look at people and think what you can take from them, and then you feel proud knowing what you can get away with. I hope one day you're able to look at yourself in the mirror and face that. So he's kind of bullet pointing some of the issues. So he says, yeah. with sex, you only knew how to have sex like a porn star. Not once in 21 years did we make love. I feel sorry for you that you don't even know what that is. And then he says, I don't care anymore about who you really are. I know you saw yourself as all important in everyone's eyes with every single person you ever met, but life moves on. The only one who stays frozen is you. You're not special. Now that my brain has cleared and I have stepped away from this craziness that was our relationship, I can look back at some of those things you did and said to me. What it is like inside your mind that you think you have the right to go through your life treating people that way. I never even knew that people like you existed. 
You didn't win. I'd had to claw my way back from hell, but I did. Yeah, you hurt me a lot, but I know I am thriving without you. I've forgotten all the insults, the actions trying to break me down. I don't have general distrust for other people. I haven't sworn off relationships. I don't sit in my bedroom crying all day. I haven't given up my core sense of optimism and hope. I'm sorry, but you just don't have that kind of power. I was just too strong for you. You were never going to be able to keep me. I'm not that easy to control. Yes, it's true. I was for a time after you got close enough to me to learn which buttons to press, but you made a mistake. You wanted too much control. You wanted to control everything about me. Instead, you resorted to extreme cruelty and emotional abuse to try and beat me down so I wouldn't have any self-worth. What you never realize is that you never, you were never going to take over and you were only breaking the spell you held over me every time you tried to break me down. Relationships are all about domination to you. And I hope that you have figured out the survivors eventually rise up. So if I didn't fall into line, I will wear that as a badge of honor because I know exactly what that means. I feel sorry for you. Uh, this is a stellar performance you put on for me, and you kept it up for quite some time in between the disappearing acts. I must have been so exhausted presenting the illusion of a real person capable of real love. I'm not sure if you know that as an emotionally stunted five-year-old, but telling a man you love him while continuing to mistreat him is abuse. I know I don't want to believe it either, but it's true. You are abusive. Actually, you are nothing but a coward. I was your cure. You were my disease. I was saving you, but you were killing me. So often I missed you, needed you. There was nothing but silence. You invested absolutely nothing. You expected a high return. You wondered why I didn't open up more. Why I was so reluctant to share my vulnerabilities, even when I knew I couldn't rely on you to catch me, I still jumped. I turned out to be a real person with real problems, so I clearly didn't follow your impossible script. You must have erupted with evil laughter as I crashed to the ground alone. But here's the truly funny part. I may have lost a lying, cheating, emotionally bankrupt, controlling, and manipulative wife, but you lost me. I had the power to destroy you. I had the grace to walk away. Going forward, I pity the empty shell that you display to the world. You will continue to spend your days attempting to fill your insatiable void with no luck. Disposing of me the way that, that you did will not suddenly transform you into a good person despite the lies you tell yourself. You hate your fake reflection and take it out on anyone who dares to try and love you. Sounds lonely as fuck. Your ignorance is probably wondering if I hate or miss you. The truth is, you can't miss someone who never existed in the first place. You will never show this letter to anyone, even if I, even if you do read this far, because it outlines what you really are behind your well-rehearsed public facade. And that's your greatest fear, that people will discover who you really are. If I ever come up in your thoughts or conversation, I'm sure I'm talked about as one of those evil, unloyal exes in your past. I know what loyalty means to you now and what you conveniently leave out about yourself as if somehow the dynamic was ever under my control and I wanted things to turn out this way. Not that I expect you to understand that. I was only valuable to you if I looked the other way while you did whatever you wanted, put myself in a box and ignored my own needs and let you talk to and treat me however you wanted without speaking up. In other words, an object. No one can live like that, at least not happily and with good physical and mental health. 
So what exactly did I lose? Only your torture and control you had on me. You, on the other hand, threw away love. It's not even a fair trade. I get my life back and you destroyed a perfectly good relationship and lost someone who loved and cared about you. The next girl I fall in love with will be glad I was with you first. At one point, I did think you were the love of my life. I learned a lot in my relationship with you. I learned what is clearly unacceptable behavior. I learned that you have no respect for other people's boundaries or feelings. I learned that I deserve all the love that a mature, sound, happy woman has to offer. I also learned a lot of things about myself emotionally and physically while in our relationship. And I gained knowledge about becoming a better partner because I can distinguish clearly between what is real love and what is not. I will accept nothing less than real love from now on. Most of all, now I know I'm capable of giving someone that much love and it will be returned to me by her. You will never know that feeling. So I guess I have to say thank you for showing me what is possible. My next partner is going to benefit and I'll be a better man for her. So thank you. A long one. It was a long one, but I felt like it was so well written. And there's so many things that he said that I've seen in other relationships, be it with family, be it with like, you know, relationships my mom has been in or anything like that. These are commonalities like with our one family member who went through a divorce and the wife is just fucking awful and makes his life miserable to the point where he almost tried to fucking kill himself. Yeah. And it's like, where does that come from? All that rage, all that wrath that she's carrying, that doesn't go away until you reflect on yourself. We lost a friend in October who behaves in this exact way. Yep. And I had to cut her off because I was like, you're emotionally abusive to your children. And you want me to sit here and tell you that you're not being emotionally abusive. I can't do that. I am going to call it out as it is because that is love. I see the way you're behaving and I know it's not who you are, but it's something in you. It's an energy you're holding on to. So if you're holding on to wrath, you're holding on to rage, you're you're not communicating something that's creating this demon inside you. There were literally moments where I had to leave when talking to her because of how like aggressive and angry she got about stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, I no, bye. Yeah. I I can't. And like the biggest red you have the patience to be able to like calmly talk through that with them. Well, and the problem with that situation is that that was someone who has been in my life for the last 10 years longer been a close friend for the last 10 years but at the same time if i were to take bullet points from this and relate that to the friendship i gave i gave i gave i gave i gave whenever she needed something i was like absolutely what do you need absolutely i'm there to help you for your kids absolutely and then it comes a time where i'm like hold up i see you i see the way you're behaving and i'm not judging you for it but i'm also not going to let you put that on me and the moment that I said that, complete rage, complete rage and inability to see her own behaviors. And instead it was just like, you can't call me that. You can't say this to me. You can't blah, blah, blah. And it's like, actually I can because I love you. And out of love, I'm letting you know the things that are not you. Don't do shrooms with people you don't want to be called out by. <laughs> <laughs> don't do shrooms with me if you have an agenda. <laughs> Call that shit out fast. If you are raging on the inside, do not do shrooms with us. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's sad because I feel like a lot of people live in these relationships where it's like, it's, 
I know it's not easy. And especially if you're the wife in this situation. Okay. So another example from that same household in which we were dealing with, um, there was a woman who came because her 14 year old daughter, um, was just kind of having a lot of fucking drama. So this little girl ended up being at the place. I talked to her. She was extremely upset at her parents, wanted to run away, wanted to check herself into a psych ward, just wanted to be away from her family because they were calling her a slut. They were telling her that they basically weren't seeing her as an individual. Um, and the reason she was acting out is because she was in a relationship. Granted, the guy was a little bit older, but regardless, she was in a relationship. She did not want to have sex with him. He manipulated the situation, basically talked her into it. And she says that he raped her. In my mind, if a 14-year-old is saying that she's in a relationship she didn't want to and he raped her, you don't fucking question that. You don't question that. This mother comes up and is like, is she here? Blah, blah, blah. Like all of this rage coming over. And what really put it over the top for me was when she said, yeah, she says she was raped, but we don't know if we believe her. That is a narcissistic parent. That is someone who is worried about their reputation over over having well any type daughter. of care. Yeah. yeah. Over having Sad. any type of care for what the actual situation is. And I like I've been in that situation where you're abused by someone who you are in a relationship with. I've never been raped by someone who I'm not I wasn't with. And so there's like can you call it rape or whatever? She's 14. Of course you can call it rape. Of course you can say that you believe it's non-consensual. her. non-consensual. It doesn't matter if you weren't there. It doesn't matter if, if something in you doesn't believe her. You support her and you believe her until other facts prove otherwise. Exactly. Um, but that's another example of just, I don't think that this mother intends to be in a state of just complete narcissism. But I also think that she's missing something because- the mother's not grounded. And so that's why she's running around worried about everyone else's perspective of her yep. because she's not able to look at herself. She's not happy with herself and she's not working on herself. I just think of uh, what's that movie where it's inside the person's head and it's all the emotions. I just think of the little red angry guy has just taken over and all your other things are just. Yeah. And everyone tries to come up and he's just like, duh, duh, fuck you, get fuck the you. fuck out of here. This is my control panel. <laughs> <laughs> anger, 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 rage. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And in talking to this, this girl, I asked her, I was like, what is your dad's take on all of this? He's, he's basically not allowed to have an opinion because the mother is so over-consuming the whole conversation. And I feel like in those situations, as a husband, it is your responsibility to ground the mom and say, it doesn't matter if you don't believe her. This is our daughter. Send that bitch to her room. <laughs> yeah. No, literally. <laughs> Daddy needs to punish mom ground real quick. in multiple ways. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes a woman just needs to be tied up, strapped down, and uh, punished a little <laughs> bit, and then she'll behave. <laughs> but that's just it. Like, sometimes you're missing something, and you're not communicating what you're missing, and then you turn into a monster because you didn't address what you're missing, and now it's completely taken over. Yep, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I felt like that was a good one for Wrath because she's completely operating out of a state of rage. Um there were a couple things that he said where it's like, maybe that's not totally necessary to put on her. But at the same time, when you're hurt and you've been with someone for this long and you realize that they're just not going to change for you, they enjoy 
but I, I don't think they enjoy it, but they can't get out of this cycle. Then part what of are you going to do? It. There's a small part of them that enjoys it. They get some kind of satisfaction out of it. It's and like until being they learn sadistic, to get that satisfaction but not from somewhere else. Exactly. So it's like if you're being sadistic to people around you, you need to take that sadistic shit to the fucking bedroom and handle it. Yeah. And that's how you learn to not fucking emit that shit into your daily life. Exactly. Find a different like when I was a kid, I had anger issues and I would take it out on people. And so my parents were like, dude, we got to find something. And so they thought about getting me a punching bag. They thought about just finding me like other things to hit where I could take it out in an appropriate manner. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no shame in needing to get that emotion out somewhere. The only shame comes in when you're projecting it onto everyone else and not having your self-awareness. Exactly. Last one. This is going to be the biggest trigger. Sorry, guys. Pride. Sorry, guys. Okay. So this one is pride. First, I'm going to define pride because this is very important for this topic. Pride is an emotional response or attitude to something with an intimate connection to oneself due to its perceived value. Oxford defines it, amongst other things, as the quality of having an excessively high opinion of oneself or one's own importance. This may be related to one's abilities or achievements, positive characteristics of friends or family or one's country. Pride. The topic of this is kink and BDSM should not be a public pride event and should be kept for 18 and older only. To start, I'm a lesbian, and I've been seeing recent controversy over this topic. Look, no denying that kink plays a big role in the creation of pride. It is a part of embracing sexuality and shouldn't be excluded from the community. However, it should not be at public pride parades. Pride should be for everyone of all ages. Many people say, stop catering to the straight capitalized idea of what pride should be. And pride isn't a party, it's a protest, don't don't police us. And children should go to Disney if they want to have family friendly. This has nothing to do with straight rainbow capitalism. I figured out I was uh, LGBT at age 11. And trust me, if I saw a kink act in public, I would be kind of disgusted. I'm still a minor now, and I'd be less disgusted, but still. I know people say that it's up to you to bring your children to Pride, but by making all Pride events wear whatever you want, um, even if it's nothing, we are also kind of excluding minors from it. It's also non-consensual to anyone who is exposed to such acts. Because nobody wants to go to Pride to see naked people, right? And think of the children phrase holds to be true. Young children and teens embracing their sexuality shouldn't be forced to see adult acts against their will. Again, no denying the role kink plays in the community, but it should be kept to 18 plus events. There should definitely be a separate pride for people who want to do leather and other kinks that way. You can do whatever you want in a safe place where you know you won't offend others. And because people consented to come to the 18 plus event, it's all good. It's just my personal opinion on it, but it seems to be the minority. I'd like to see how you guys think about it. Yeah, Pride Festivals have gotten way out of hand. I don't remember my first one, other than I lost my shirt and my friend Vanessa rescued me and we left. <laughs> um, I was really fucking drunk. Um, but like other ones that I've seen on the TV, like the, the people wearing, walking around in like just a thong and basically exposing themselves to children in the streets, it's not okay. Like it's, it's okay to be out there and support it, but be very conscientious of how you're presenting yourself and how you're presenting the group, especially in front of children. When we do have such a pedophilia problem in the States. I have the opposite view. 
In my opinion, pride is about sexual liberation. And for that reason, children should not be there. If you want to host a pride event in which is family friendly, then you do that. Well, I think that it should be the opposite. Instead of having these events be where be appropriate because there will be children there, instead there should be pride events that are specifically for families. No, I, I completely agree with that. They, mm-hmm. but well, but you can't really do that because if it's on a public street. But that's what I'm saying. You set the new norm of pride events are not for families. I'm sorry, but downtown Seattle, when there's a pride event going on, there is no way that you're gonna have not having all of that out. That's what pride is to the kink community. Pride is being able to go out there in your leather and express and meet right, people. But that's where it becomes a sin. That's why it's a deadly sin because you're you're too prideful. You don't have the respect of other people to recognize that what you're displaying to children is not appropriate for them. I think parents bringing children to these events are the one who are holding too much pride. Well, what about the kids that just live there? Like you can't help it if you live like we live in Capitol Hill and if you live up there and your kid just goes out on the patio and sees it, that's non-consensual. Have your private events. Have them in a private space. Have them in a warehouse. Have them in rent out a fucking mall if you need what to. What about the naked bike race? Same thing. I don't think it should be a thing. I mean, my mom took it, me and my best friend as a kid, and it's a little bit different because it's not result, It's not based around the kink community and that. But again, it's still exposing to kids, and I, I don't think it's appropriate. I think that the kids coming to the event is the problem. But you can't I think control that, that. No, parents can control that. I would never bring a child to that event if I didn't properly understand their mindset on knowing what is going to pop up. You can't protect children from the things that are going to be in the world by saying, don't do that. There's children here. The only way you're going to protect them from things like that is if you put them in an environment where it's a safe pride event. You can't control all of pride. There's no fucking way. But what you can control is family pride. So you have a separate event that is just specifically for families, for families in the LGBTQ community. And then you have all you have all the children in an event with people who are that. And then it is a safe space. You created a safe space for the children. Now, then the pride events that are on the street, it should just be known that it's not something that is super family friendly. And if you have the two separated, then you have the safe areas in which people can still be who they are. I don't think it's fair to say tone down for this event because pride is a, that that's the, that's the point of pride to come and bring all of your character, bring all of what you're not able to do normally. That's the point of pride. Well then have it in a private venue. Don't blare it on the streets. That's pride. That's that's well, exactly fine. what it is. It's a sin. That's why it's a deadly sin because you're being overly prideful about it and there's a time well, and, and that's a place, why I think children just shouldn't be allowed. And I don't think public it. streets are the good spot for that because you can't control what happens there. You can't control who shows up. Have it in a, if you want to create a safe zone, have it in a controlled setting, not on the public streets. And that's why I think that there should be separate pride events for families. I think that if if you're worried about what your children will see out on pride, you can't control that, but you can control an event that is specifically family friendly. Because then you're surrounded by other parents. Everyone's going to be looking out for each other because it's an event specifically for that. And so it's like it almost creates a bubble where kids can learn about pride. They can learn about the community in an age appropriate style. So for the public ones, are parents just supposed to like not go grocery shopping and just like keep their kids at home and shut the blinds? Pride doesn't go on forever. It's like usually just a weekend parade. 
just seems like an infringement and a non-consensual way to expose a lot of kids to things that they may don't not be take ready your kids to. to the event if you live there and you have to go to the grocery store you can you go to a grocery a you can go 10 minutes away and drive to a different grocery store it's your choice to go to that when an event your happening. kid is still gonna get exposed to it as if soon as we you know traffic's happening are we gonna go drive into it no we're gonna avoid it and go do something else until it's over it's like small adjustments. Like if I had a child, I would not go to a pride event and be like, oh my God, what are these people doing? I have my child here. If I wanted my child to be familiar with that community and, and learn the positives of it, I would organize having a safe space to where like-minded people can celebrate that in a safe space. Right. There's and that's what no way. Hmm? That's what should be done. Right, but but you're saying do a separate event for the adults who want to behave in that way. I'm saying do a separate event for the parents who want to bring their kids no, to it. No, privatize it all. It shouldn't be on the streets. Oh, privatize all of it. That's fair too. Yeah, it shouldn't be on the public streets. That's fair too. But good luck doing that in Seattle. Like when oh, I worked at it's never going to happen in Seattle. And that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. You can't fight things if it's not ever going to work that way, but you can cater to what might possibly work. You can't tell all of Seattle, no, you can't do that. But you can say, parents, if you don't like it, hey, we organized a separate event that is very family friendly. People who are behaving this way aren't allowed into this venue. And this is for families to explore and celebrate pride in a family controlled family event. But it's not telling them they can't. It's just I wish the kink community had a better sense of respect for the community that they're in to not expose children to that in a non-consensual way. Go and privatize your shit. But if you're bar hopping, how are you supposed to, oh, let me monitor myself because people well, are different. bringing that's, their parents. That's but that's what night. I'm saying. Pride events are for that. It's closing down the streets. It's bar hopping. It's everyone who's of age. Well, if they want to truly close down the streets and block it off as a private event, that's different. But as long as it's open to the public, that's overly prideful. But that's why it's called pride. It's a weekend called pride. Right. It's centered and around that. That's why it's a deadly sin. I'm not saying I'm not disagreeing with uh, pride as a whole. I'm disagreeing with saying police yourself because there's children there. I'm saying if you're worried about I'm saying it should not be a norm for parents to bring their kids to this. That shouldn't be a norm. Sometimes it's not the parent like sometimes it's unavoidable. Right. But if she's ref no, she's referring to people who are specifically going to the event and want to bring their kids. So it's like going to Hempfest and people want to bring their kids. Right. So you are going to the event fully knowing what the event is and choosing to bring your child. That's what I'm saying. Right. So if you're choosing to bring your child to that, I think it should be the opposite where it's like instead of you choosing to bring your child to this event and saying everyone else police yourself because I want to be able to bring my child to this event, even though it's clearly something that's not meant for children. Pride is clearly not for children. Where I think that the event just shouldn't happen in that public space. If you want to have that pride event, that's totally cool and I respect that. Privatize it. Do it somewhere not in the public streets. I mean, that's fair, but they, in in Seattle, when they do Pride, they say ahead of time what streets it will be on. It's not like randomly popped up, like, surprise, dick in your window. Like, you know when it's going to be. You know it's going to be there. I just think that whole side is just... You just don't like the event altogether? It's not that I don't like it. I think that you should go out and and do it, but like... You can go out and wear leather and still have shorts on underneath or a bra underneath. You don't have to be exposing children throughout the whole day. If you want to Those do that. Those people aren't getting ready, though. Like, they're not getting ready. Like, let's, uh, 
like, I know children are going to be here, so. But that's something that they need to think about because there are going to be children there. So go to kink safe places where you can do that. Don't have it be this giant public spectacle that's going to start making kids think that it's okay to wear leather and be naked out on the street. Yeah, I just think that parents should I organize their own separate events for it. I agree. I, I think all events should be separated. I think if you want to do any of that, privatize it. Take yeah. it off the public streets. Well, because the, cause the other th- – and especially here, everyone is so big on exposing – queer kids to the community. Yep. And that's why I have a problem with saying police yourself. I'm saying no parents, you need to do a better job of making safe spaces for your kids rather than saying this space isn't safe for my kid. Fuck you. This space isn't safe for my kid. No, fuck you. Create a safe space for your kid. That's your job as a parent. You create a safe space. You don't bring them into a space that you know is not the best for them. You and what I'm saying is a lot them. of parents don't have that choice if they live in the area. So you leave for the weekend. <laughs> People can't just afford to leave for it's, the weekend. It's on one street. Like it's not. No, Pride is Pride is all of Capitol Hill. It's massive. It's huge. And so you put your kid watching TV. Like they don't have to be staring out the window. I just privatize it all. Take it off the public. Privatize, privatize it all. Yeah. But then if you privatize it, then there's no longer bar hopping during Pride. It's no longer a there, street event, which is what it's supposed to be. Right. But in that case, then like, yeah, I, I don't know. It's a tough subject because you can't just close off the public streets. And and these people do deserve a place to to show what they represent and express themselves. That's our First Amendment right. But I, I, I think I, I wish people would just be more respectful and more aware of what they're exposing children to at such a young age. It's unconsensual. It is, but you you consented by bringing your child to it. You knew what was going to be going on. Not there. if you live in that area. You don't have a choice. I, I, I get for living there. I get for living there, but there's precautions you can take so that way you're not... Like, if you live there, you're not going to go sit out on the sidewalk if you don't support it. No, I, yeah, but... You can stay in your house. Like, like not I said, everyone... you can avoid all of it by just privatizing it. Yeah. But that no one's going to privatize that. Like the pride is such a big thing here and everyone goes bar hopping. They spend the day in Seattle right. going around. And so it's and like. And that's why it's a deadly sin. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm not saying these people are sinning because they're not. They're expressing themselves. But in expressing that amount of pride. It's I think taken it's one thing far. if you're dressing like that all the time out of pride. But the reason that pride is an event is because it's the weekend to have the event. Right. So have it at an event stadium. Have it at an event place. Do it on the do it on the fairgrounds and have it be out on the fairgrounds where you'd have a state fair and close. Well, but it then off there's the it. other thing is as soon as you do that, then it becomes a ticketed event. It doesn't have to. If you're going into a venue that's going to be closed off, then yeah, you do. Then make it worth it. I if, think fucking keep the children in a spot where it is safe for children. You want to protect kids? Keep them in a safe spot that is for children. Yeah. It's like-minded people. It's parents who also, you know, want to have their kids have a level of education in that community, but also not be exposed. But if you're trying to tell people, hey, tone it down, then these kids are going to grow up thinking that it is toned down. And then what, at the age of 11, because they've been exposed to pride, if someone comes up and is a fucking pedophile and communicates to them in a way that's grooming them, that child is more susceptible to jump into it because they've been exposed to 
all of it and being around all of it rather than being in a venue that is just for kids catered to just for kids and parents and actually properly educating them on what is safe, what is not safe. And then once they're outside of that age group, then understanding, oh, fuck, this is what pride is. But that's where it comes into creating, having events that are created to tailored for parents who take their kids to expose them to that. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Take it off the public streets. Yeah. Privatize it. And if parents want to educate their kids on it, then there is a safe place that they can take them to. Yeah. You're saying just... privatize both. I'm saying privatize just the event for kids. Yeah. Privatize yeah. it all. I don't think that would ever happen for Seattle. Oh, especially no, it, not. No, absolutely not. Because you can't have the here. naked bike races and then say, but you can't dress that way for pride. Oh, what I was going to say when I was working at Frolic, um, the year before I had started working there, they did a remodel and they told people wear whatever you want like you can just wear whatever you want it got so out of hand like people were wearing leather masks of like pet play masks and straps and things like that um but the hotel allowed it because the hotel's theme was very much on the side of like when you're traveling and you're getting away, it's for a vacation. You want to escape. You're not here to be judged. You're here to explore. Right. You're here to have fun. You're here to literally do what you want, be erotic, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, they had to cut it because it couldn't stay that way. Right. But but again, that's a private area that's allowed it to be privatized. Yeah. Yeah, I just I just think that parents are a little too comfortable with exposing their kids to the community without understanding the the um, what's it called? The impressions. Yeah, because a lot of times these kids wouldn't have these impressions, but you're enforcing these impressions. And so they're not really able to just be kids and explore and have you hold space for them. You're holding space, but you're also nudging. Exactly. And I and that's why I have an issue with it and why I think that it should start with parents doing their own organizations with other parents who are like-minded. A hundred percent. And I think that's where it should start. And unfortunately we've created uh, an economy where both parents are completely almost irrelevant to kids' lives as they grow up now. And uh, do bring back the 1950s of the single, of the nuclear family. Well, and it goes back to like the same as like the other story where I was telling you about the mom having too much, um, like worrying too much about her reputation right now, the community is turning too much into forcing this narrative into children. And so it's like, no, we want to be so gender neutral, but these kids are, you you are putting impressions. There was that one video where the kid was trying to explain, he, he was like eight years old and he was saying, he was saying, I respect the community, but I know that if it was something I didn't want to do, it is still something my mom would want me to do. And he's nine years old recognizing this. Yeah. And so that's kind of where I think the pride of parents thinking that it's okay for them to just expose their kids to this is where it's off. Agreed. I think the event of pride is what it is. And if you want to have children exposed to that, you are the one who's bringing them into a situation where it's, it's, there needs to be something else you, that's you better, a tamer version. You better version. have had a sit down a long conversation with them. Yes. Or go to a tamer version. A, a t- and I think- Which the, still needs to have, have a sit down and explain. And it's like when you go to carnivals, there's the adult rides and there's the kids rides. You must be this tall to get through this barricade. <laughs> there is always like anytime there's public events, there's always areas that are safe for the children and safe for being drunk and being able to have fun. Yep. I don't want to go to an event and have to worry about what the other kids around me 
are like. And if I if I choose to go to an event and I want to wear a rave outfit where I'm wearing pasties and panties, there's going to be a parent who says that I'm the one who's exposing the child to blah, 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 blah. But again, you're at a rave, you're at a private event. But at Pride, people wear rave outfits. So what I'm saying is I'm not exposing nipples. My pussy is not fucking out. Right. But someone there, if it was just Pride and on the street, would still see me as dressing as inappropriate for their child to be exposed to. And I'm saying, don't bring your child because you know that this is what people are like in this environment. Do what Portland does. Block off the roads. Barricade. <laughs> Baby fences <laughs> Baby for the drunks. Baby fences for the drunks. <laughs> and also barricades to keep people who don't want to be part of that out. Yeah, yeah. So th- again, that goes to privatizing it. Yeah. Because you are you are creating a physical barrier that isolates that area for that to be okay and consensual. Mm-hmm. You are walking past this barrier, and by walking past this barrier, you now consent to whatever you're being exposed to. To uncontrolled. Yes. Environment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I just think that pride as a whole is too much for kids under the age of 11. I would even argue like 13 or 14. I would too, because there's so many predators in the community. And when you have a sexually charged And when our politicians are constantly covering up for them and letting them out of prison with no repercussions, they're literally fucking everywhere. And it doesn't matter how you dress. It's a sexually charged event. Yep. And that energy, no matter what, no matter who you are, child, infant, doesn't matter. It's sexually charged and that energy leaks into everyone. Exactly. Pride is a sexually charged event. It is not intended for children. Nope. Keep it 18 and above. Barricade that shit. Privatize. Yeah. It's so funny how we agree but don't agree at the same time. Well, yeah. And it's a hard topic because it's, it's a really like, tough topic because you don't, and especially in this day and age where you don't want to offend anybody. Yeah. Everybody's feelings are going to get hurt. And it's like, dude, let, let's think about the children and our future generations and how we want our kids to be. Well, and let's also take little checkpoints because right now we've been in a few years of exposing children to this. So are we stopping and seeing what's happening to the psychology of the children who have been exposed to it the longest? Are we stopping and talking to them and seeing what it's developed and then slowly making incremental adjustments so that way we can make sure we're not damaging them? No, it's been like a nuclear explosion over just poof, here yeah. it is. And it's because people are sticking to their fucking pride where they're like, no, Queer children, save all the trans children. Please let children be children. Let children be children. And then, and then let children be you children. Have, you have Texas where if you have a trans kid who's like under the age of 11, they're going to call CPS on you for child abuse. And it's, it's another terrible, confusing topic in itself as well, because it's like, did you mentally, uh, did you mentally make them have that opinion or was that natural opinion did you manipulate that you didn't have any mm-hmm. yep yep and i guess and at the end of the day the only person who can answer that is going to be the parent and if that parent is aware of their own actions as well until they find out about vaccines and how much that shit has changed genealogy and eugenics whoops did i say that on our podcast whoops <laughs> that's a topic for a casual affairs episode chromosome <laughs> <laughs> qx28 research it what was that uh chromosome qx28 yeah i just wanted you to repeat it so that way people could research if they want (laughs) (laughs) if you want to dive into it by all means genetic manipulation has been happening for decades yep and it uh, like i think it 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 has happened for decades and i think it started with um because like we were watching uh the sweetest thing it's like a 90s movie with cameron diaz and when we were watching it I had noticed that what they were pushing for was boob jobs. Everyone had a boob job. They talked about boob jobs constantly. They normalized it. They normalized boob jobs in the 90s. 
all of that fluid leaking into your children. All of these hormone imbalances leaking all into your children. All of those chemicals leaking into your children. Yep. Yep. Birth control, chemicals leaking into your children. Yep. Women who can't get pregnant for years after getting off birth control, that's because there's so many chemicals within you. It's getting into your children. So what we're seeing is kids having an experience of hormonal imbalance because of our food, because of our vaccines, because of all of everything. it, all of it. And we haven't stopped to take a checkpoint. We haven't stopped to take a checkpoint and be like, Hey, what are we noticing? That's different. What can we adjust to see if it helps? One, all the people who are studying eugenics and who are pushing all this have not been held accountable since world war two. We're not allowed to because the topic gets shunned. No, as soon as you talk about it, it gets shunned. And you are someone who's just, Goddamn Nazis and their propaganda. Oh my God. Goodness. Okay, my mental capacity is breached. I need to eat some food. Can I do a closing statement before you just leave? Absolutely. (laughs) I just, I had to get it out there. Sorry, I've been thinking about it for like 15 minutes. That's totally fine. Um, I don't know what or when we are going to be recording next. I know that Adobe expires for us in like three days. So I'm going to edit this podcast in that time. And then hopefully we find some money and can get another episode out for you guys. Um, if not, the other things that we are planning on working on, I do want to start teaching you guys some knots on Instagram. I think it would be a fun way for us to be interactive with you. And also you get to know us a little bit better. So let us know if that's something you guys are interested in. I think it would be fun. I want to teach you classic knots, not shibari knots necessarily, but not that you can know so that way you can create designs in your shibari play we want to teach you the fundamentals of knots so that you can get creative with it yeah yeah yeah. so that way you don't have to watch a youtube video on how to design a specific outfit but instead you know the fundamentals to put it together yourself yeah i fucking love and appreciate all of you guys i know that we've been pretty spotty with recording episodes but you guys are still downloading episodes and i'm so grateful for that two thumbs up Yes. Love you guys. We, we really appreciate really, it. Really do. We had to change our um, merch. So kind of a benefit, kind of not a benefit. Our embroidery work is no longer available for the time being. If you absolutely love something, we can order it for you privately and then send it to you privately. But we no longer have the storefront up for that. We're now operating through Threadless because it's free. And, uh, <laughs> we broke. <laughs> we broke as well. And they also uh, run sales and they kind of um, handle all of the pricing. So you guys can get a little bit of a cheaper deal. Obviously, it's not the quality of stuff that we were able to provide before, but you can we still get stuff. You can somewhere. still rep the merch. I've created a couple new sticker designs, so please go check those out. Let me know what you guys think. Love and appreciate you all. Yep. Sorry for the triggers, but sometimes we just got to <laughs> poke them a little bit so that way we can be a little more aware of what's going on around us. Controversy. It makes life more fun. It does. Be open-minded. Have fun. Don't take yourself too seriously. We all need more love in the world. More love, more communication. Yeah.